Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a solemn sojourn astride our sad and scantily clad sentiments as City have slid down the standings to 17th. I'm joined by Fionn, McGee and Punt. Let's get at it. It was pretty bleak on Sunday, wasn't it, Fionn? It was. Um, obviously, a 12 o'clock Sunday kickoff at the best of times is, uh, is not great, but I, I was sort of struck I was at the ground quite early and... Uh, just how the complete lack of pretty much buzz I felt and then getting into the stadium I cannot remember that many empty seats uh certainly around where I was in the upper Barclay but also looking around the whole stadium it really struck me um about that uh so I don't know if that's apathy or a reflection of the kickoff time or combination of factors but um yeah that that didn't set the tone particularly well for the game um, and then we kicked off, and uh, I think there was a quote from Wagner that we we played well in the first four minutes or something like that. I don't know if that was <laughs> a misquote or lost in translation or something. I don't know, but it, it, the the first fifteen minutes um, were just painful to watch, um, and and the reaction of some fans to the the first goal and particularly the second goal. Um, you know, you, you had the thing where people start sort of ironically cheering the other team scoring uh and yeah it's it is very very clear that he has lost the crowd and the the team have lost the crowd and usually when that happens at Carrow Road uh, there's no going back from that um there are the obvious parallels to the the Worthington last game uh which I think was the the Burnley 4-1 and felt very similar to that and yeah it was just a horrible grim afternoon um and then, uh, ironically, in the second half, I think we we actually had a few goal mouth scrambles and could have could have made the scoreline a bit closer. But of course, it turns out that uh, the red card shouldn't have been a red card anyway because it's now been overturned. Um, well, so, and that was, I think, the only thing that that made us look even vaguely competitive towards the end. Uh, yeah, just terrible. Yeah, I wanted to pick up on the the worthy element. What was weird to me was how different it was actually to the to the worthy vitriol and toxicity in that, you know, you, you mentioned the empty seats. They sort of manifest themselves in the lack of noise. That there was kind of a collective tut um as the as the sort of third goal went in. Just an unbelievable level of, oh right, yeah, losing again, are we? And and, and other than some very, very uh, a smattering of Wagner out, Weber out, sack the board, compared to not even as bad a run as we've been on this time, there didn't seem to be the ire and the vitriol and the fury um, and the spittle that you, that we've had at other managers in the past. So, McGee, what, what do you think? Do you think we've just got to the point where we don't think it's even worth being angry anymore? I think there's a level of resignation um, and you could hear it from the beginning of the game. I, I watched it on TV, not in the ground, but the the, the sort of pre-kickoff rendition of On the Ball City was so lacklustre. It's like you could almost hear sarcasm from 15,000 people who were who were singing along. Um, and it, it, it feel, I, I don't know where that resignation comes from, but it's one of, you know, this is the third time in a row that this team has 
surrendered essentially for all of the amazing things that Farker gave us. Uh, we surrendered in the second Premier League season. Went down with a, a whimper uh, with Dean Smith um, last season. Uh, it just petered out, um, and it, it feels like nothing that we try is going to make a difference. But I also think there's a, a sense of resignation from does the does the club leadership have it within them to fix this? Like there isn't vitriol at, at, at Wagner for standing in the way of some bright lit uplands that we 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 could get to if it was if he would get out of the way. Like I don't think that people think that replacing him is gonna uh, make everything is good. It's not going to fix things. I think the other thing is worth saying is like. Wagner is, I feel sorry for him. And I think there's a level of resignation rather than vitriol because he's not a bad guy. He's been brought into a terrible situation. Uh, we gave him a ton of credit for simply not being Dean Smith, but he's mm. not He's not up to the job. And we know that it's not his fault that he's not up for the job. And so I don't think there's a sort of a, um, he hasn't let us down. He hasn't turned his back on us. He hasn't slagged off the crowd like previous managers might have done. And so there isn't there isn't there isn't a bitterness in there either. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. He, he doesn't do bonkers things either. You know, he he he. Do, I mean, there's been the odd kind of um, substitution where where he's taken someone off, or or um, there's been a bit of co- complaint around him not necessarily changing games positively when he does make the substitutions. But he does make them. You know, he's not one of those that 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 collects additional reasons for you to be cross at him, like not making any subs until the end. Or never taking off a certain player, he's he, he does sometimes stick with certain formations. He does sometimes change um, the the kind of uh, the carousel of players that he tries. So I, I think that actually, as a manager of a football club or a head coach of a football club, he I think he's very good at the job in terms of he's good at saying the right things. Like even in his absolute resignation, I mean, he sounded so heartbroken after the Sunderland game, but he sounded even more down after the Blackburn game, talking to Chris Gorham. Um, saying I love the club, I love this community. Um, you know, he is so good at avoiding giving us extra reasons to have a problem with him. Um, and 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 I, I I kind of second your point around he's you know we gave him credit for 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 not being Dean Smith. To be honest, I I still give him a lot of credit for that. I am still you know last time that Punt and I podded on this vehicle. Um, Punt was already Wagner out, and I was still very much well. I, I don't really blame him. And to be honest, whilst I think it's absolutely inevitable that the change is coming, I'm still not really Wagner out. I, I'm more sort of someone else in. If you see what I mean, I, I, I've got no issues with him as a bloke, and I I think that the football he wants to play and he was able to get us to play in very small bursts. Like if that's the if we if we count the football that was nice to watch and we won games playing earlier in the season. If that's what Wagner football is, yep, sign me up for that. Uh, but I, I just think for he's been dealt a really bad hand, including the, the front two injuries, which I still think is a massive asterisk against this this bad run. Um, but but yeah, Punt, you, you obviously were very early on the Wagner out train. Um, you, you didn't even want to be there, um, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't a difficult decision. So I said to my girls, do you want to go to the Norwich men's match or do you want to go to the Norwich women's match? Because they were kicking off at two o'clock. So it it was completely inconceivable that you could watch the both games 
And it wasn't even a decision because one team, and I'll get into Wagner in a bit, but one team is well-structured and well-coached and appears to be lots of good humans that are doing good things. And another team seems to be an absolute fucking mess. And, you know, that's that's not dressing it up. So, you know, why? And I think actually the apathy that I feel, and I've stopped caring about the men's football club as much as I, I ever have done, really, over the last few years. I think I'm not the only one who feels like that. For To Fionn's point about the swathes of empty seats that are at Carrow Road and the, the general just kind of lacklustre nature of the crowd, I, I, I just think so many people have had enough. And I, I really can't put my finger on why, but I think there's a lot of us there and it needs an injection of something different to bring us all in a, in a different direction and to unite the fan base again and get us all behind, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but say a project. But on Wagner especially, I think you, you, you're giving him a hell of a lot of credit when actually I, I would, the basic expectancy that I would have right now is that any coach that came in that had their badges or had, you know, a, a decent CV would be getting more out of this current group of players regardless of the fact that we've got five or six you know, injuries, he would get you know, he or she should be getting a lot more out of this group of players than, than Wagner is. I mean, from noises that I've heard, the dressing room's a bit of a mess. From noises that I've heard, that they're not really listening to, to what he and, and Pelach are, are trying to do. And it just worries me that... I mean, we said this when he first came in, like, is he a busted flush? Young Boys and Schalke is that representative of of actually where he's at right now, and it turns out that it absolutely is. I think for me that that we're not well coached, and we are trying to deploy a system that he is so completely wedded to that he it doesn't seem like there's any adjustment or change. As you say, Tom, you know, with subs as well, it's like for like. It's it's not massive changes in in formation. It's just. It's a coach that I think is at the end of his tether and needs to be put out of his misery. And if it was a pet, we'd have done a decent thing by now, you know. And and it's so I don't know. Like I think there is blame on him, and I think there is blame on the club for not pushing the button on on his exit. And I don't care about the context that is wrapped around it in so much as you know, Napa's coming in and, and Weber's on, on the out. It, it just doesn't matter. The fact that there is this absolute paralysis around being able to make a decision is it's just so poor that it's untrue. I think the one thing that you said about um, the apathy and people, the empty seats and the, the, um, the apathy, we seem to you, you use the term you know we need to have to galvanize the fan base and, and get 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 everyone everyone together and again it's the use of the word again like i just feel like we've had a few too many sort of reinventions in the last two three years like yeah you know, basically we had such an identity under farker you know we were so unified for four years that the the we've now kind of lurched into a crisis every six months punt and i spoke yesterday and, you know, it's important to remember the bad run of form at the end of last season. So, again, just to clarify, I would think, I think and expect and believe Norwich should and will change their manager within one game away. Um, and I think it's the right thing to do. I just was so 
uh, disillusioned with Smith that Wagner is just so much less awful than him that I I that that's why I'm someone else in not because I he he genuinely seems like a terrific human being. Yeah, I completely um, you know, agree with that. There's the community stuff that he has done, the effort he makes to attend things like dementia sessions and football in the community stuff and nest stuff is fantastic and and I know that, that a lot of that is done in a box ticking exercise but he does it with a kind of enthusiasm and genuinely seems to enjoy that side of the club and he does seem to genuinely have bought into and, and enjoyed and, and got the bug of Norwich as a community club so I, I don't know I, I just find it very difficult to be against him but you, you're completely right he has to get more out of the players than than he currently has and it may well be that his message has just gone gone blank one thing i wanted to pick up with you phil um on you mentioned the dressing room pun you know i am a, a huge stand for for kenny I, I i love the guy i've seen positives when he's been in a bad run of form and everyone else hasn't and i've always believed he'd be a good captain of the team he sounded i mean i honestly can't think of a of a player that sounded more like he was going to cry in a Norwich sort of tracksuit after a game, you know, he sounded so broken and he kept talking about the players have to take responsibility. It was almost like he was giving a, it was almost like he was giving a press conference the day after Wagner was sacked rather than straight after a performance. Did did, did you see what I'm coming from, Fionn? Yeah, no, I heard the interview as well. And uh, yeah, he sounded absolutely broken. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's, you know they they were they were talking about how the you know the players need to take responsibility as you say and 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 had, talking about having a meeting this week and all of this and but I just I I can't work out what will what will be said in that meeting that that will improve on make a change from what we've seen in the last what is it six seven weeks since we shipped six at Plymouth and you know if that wasn't a wake up call I don't know what was and yet I've if anything we've probably got worse since that Plymouth game in terms of the sort of the the performances and the the lack of leadership, I would say. I mean, I I, I think I agree. I think Kenny is a good captain, but it's I'm not seeing the leadership on the pitch, and it's frustrating when we signed as well these players in the summer who had the experience and the leadership, and we thought that was what we were adding to the squad that was missing last season. Um, mm. And you know, obviously, you know, some of them are injured. You know, Barnes is is one of the the, the biggest candidates for for doing that role, and obviously, he's not he's not uh, on the pitch at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just not I'm just not really seeing uh, on the pitch where that's happening. Um, and yeah, hearing Kenny speak like that is uh, yeah, it's just sobering, really, because uh, I, I I just don't see how the players can sort of lift themselves from that. Um, so I feel like it kind of has to come from somewhere else. Well, the subtext is, listen, if we're not going to listen to the manager and they're not going to get rid of the manager, then we've we've got to almost have our own alternative tactics that we work on during the week and follow them instead. You know, that, that it, you know he he kept talking about us taking responsibility and it not, he, he kept stopping himself from saying, you know, it's not, it shouldn't all just be Wagner. But, you know, this is the same... This is the weird thing about football and, you know, he is, he's the Mad Dog 2020 guy. Like, he's the sh- dancing around the sheriff's hat, getting the inaccurate mayor nickname. Like, that's that guy. It's the same guy. 
and to, to, for him to have had the roller coaster that he's had, I mean, I think he's the only one that was in both of the promotion seasons and actually played like a significant part because obviously Hanley was there for both promotions under Farker, but hardly played in the first one, like the first few games or whatever. Like McGee, do you feel like do you feel like we still need a a big turnover of squad, or do you feel like there's like more to Punt's point about he should be able to do more. Like, do you feel like actually we have had enough players come in and out now that this should feel like a new, a new, a new direction, a new dawn? But it just the sun just keeps not coming up. Uh, he should be able to get more out of the the team than he's getting now. <clears throat> I think that's pretty clear. I don't have the insight into the changing room and what they're doing on the uh, training ground, Neil. That. Mm. that that John has, but clearly something's arrived. Up <laughs> but you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't, it sounds intense. Um, <laughs> you can't. You can't just put it at his door. They have had that turnover. You have. They, they talked all summer long about needing to tackle inexperience, fragility, confidence by bringing in those people that have had, you know, been around the block. We're bringing in some old hands, mm. um, and they don't look any different. They look just as fragile as ever. They're, they're, they're talking again about confidence. Um, we brought Danny Bart in from Sunderland to be yeah. the kind of, you know, uh, uh, story, uh, you know, experienced backup. Um, and he's not getting any any minutes. You can't put any of that on Wagner. I mean, maybe he's not getting enough out of them, but that is that goes back to the recruitment um uh, that that looked pretty uh, hot after the first few games, but it's it's kind of fallen apart now. And this is the thing: like sacking Wagner is probably the right thing to do, but that doesn't that's not a solution. That's just dealing with the kind of immediate low hanging fruit that you can deal with. Well, it might be a solution to the fact that we are heading for relegation unless something changes dramatically. I mean, I mean, we are. I mean, it, it, it's you, you can't continue a run like Norwich are on and expect anything other than relegation at the end of the season. Now, whether or not you have to do something, you know, Barnes and Sargent coming back, Hanley hopefully being able to be 70%, 80% at least of the player he was when he comes back, there's going to, should in theory be a good chunk, you know, a good double-figure chunk of games where we've got a much better squad, match day squad, with those three players than we've got now. You know, those three players would improve all of the bottom half of the championship teams and few of the top half as well. So, you know, Wagner or a new manager is going to have for, you know, three and a half, four months of the season, hopefully, you know, almost a third of the match day squad to be better than what they've got to pick from now. It, whether or not that would be enough if we stuck with Wagner to avoid relegation, in theory, it should be because there should be enough points towards play for. But the problem is that is in that brittle confidence. And you, at 2 0 down, you can see that, that the player, and I was talking to, you know, my, my eldest now comes, you know, he's, I mean, he has started his season ticket career in, I mean, I started with Europe and <laughs> finishing third in the Premier League, and he started with this shit. And I, you know, I, it's not for the first time on Sunday. I did say, I'm so sorry, Ruben. I'm so sorry that this is how, this is what you think supporting Norwich is like, because he is, he's just a few years too young um, to have missed out on something brilliant. But the, on Sunday, you, know, you could see they were scared to play progressive balls forward because we'd already made a couple of howlers that had resulted in 
uh, goals. And once you've got a team that is so brittle and so got such a lack of confidence and so used to losing that they think I could try and bend this round, this player and progress play, but God, I don't want the third goal to be on me. I don't want on the video, when we're looking in the video analysis tomorrow morning, when we're all in, uh, been brought into Colney an hour early to, to have to look at our woes on, on tape again for the 10th week in a row. I don't want it to be me that gave away the goal that, that killed the game off. And that seems to be the weight on their shoulders that you can almost visibly see their body language get worse after the second goal in that way. Um, and to your point with G about, it looked at the start of the season like we'd fixed the problem of brittle confidence with those old senior heads. And I think Barnes is probably, you know, he's, he's got a smaller sample size than some of the others. So maybe he's benefited by not being in this bad run. So therefore he's got slightly higher, higher status than the others. He really did seem to, to, to be calling people out and drilling people and, and, and shouting and, and, and getting, getting players heads up and, you know, at the start of the season. One of the issues we've got is Duffy is another key person who is supposed to fix that. And he has been the archetype, the architect of some of our biggest mishaps. You know, he was really poor on Sunday. Um, and so however, however experienced you are, however many hundreds of games you've played compared to the people next to you, if you're the one cocking it up, however junior the player next to you is, if, if he says, come on, heads up, get your head focused in the game, the, the kind of younger player is going to go, your fucking fault we're losing like why are you telling me to have my head up i mean punt i i think you you're so you've turned the page so fundamentally we might as well look at the fact that look, napper's coming in monday weber's gone end of saturday you know that that decision was made yesterday or announced yesterday it seems to me that napper's been bought in and job number one is going to be use the international break to find a manager surely yeah why else make that change You'd have thought so, or or it is purely on the basis that Stuart Webber has checked out and they need a figurehead again. And, and actually, like there seems to have been discussions that have happened with Napa, probably Neil Adams, the board, you know, whoever it might be. I, I, I would be fascinated to hear their logic as to why they are continuing with him um, beyond last weekend. It it completely beggars belief because. As Fionn was saying earlier, once the crowd goes, like you will never get them back. It does not matter how many games Wagner wins in a row now. Like if he won the next four in a row, like the spectre of this returning, the spectre of you know like a couple of losses, it, it's it hangs over him. And, and the fact that he's he's lost so many people so quickly after all of the brilliant work that he did in terms of trying to get the fans on board just just speaks to either how poor his coaching is, how poor the squad is, or a little from column A, a little from column B. I'm not so sure. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Napa has been brought in because there is an immediacy about this situation. There is a crisis that is occurring at Carrow Road. And thankfully, the board haven't... It would have been really easy for them to just go, well, we can't get into the 27th of November anyway. Like, so at least they have acted in that regard. Um what he does from here, genuinely don't like, like this. And this is the scary slash exciting thing. None of us know anything about Ben Napper, short of the fact that he's supposed to be quite progressive. He's been well thought of. He is or has been part of probably the best run football club, um, you know, kind of in the top two divisions over the last few years. He has been a, you know, a big part of that. And, you know, it's the likes of Arteta. Per Mertesacker and others that have really lauded the, the contribution that he's made towards that football club. So we should be 
getting a good one. What we don't know is how brave he is, how bold he is, you know, kind of what his views on on head coaches and should there be a set philosophy and all of those things. And I just think... But he can't Stuart, not think that coming from Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal have had a set philosophy for like getting on the quarter so of a century. Think, but he's a small cog in that machine, isn't he? Like right now. Yeah, and he's going to be the integral name, cog. He's going to be an integral cog in, in the, the Norwich City machine now. And I think we need to hear from him really, really early. Like Weber came in, he did a series of of interviews, you know, with local press, with local fan media, and really set out his stall and said, this is how it's going to be. And this is what I think has been poor in the past. And this is how it's going to go. And I'll be searingly honest, and you might not like it all. And we didn't like it all. Um, but, you know, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. And actually, whilst he was that Stuart Weber. That was fine. I think we need Ben Napper, not necessarily to be as abrasive as Stuart Webber, but we need to know what he thinks. We need to know what he's about. We need to know what makes him tick and the kind of project that we can expect moving forward. And until that point, I think people will remain sceptical. But yes, you're right in terms of coming back to point. Yeah, he's got an international break where I think he needs to sack a coach and get a coach. And that is not an easy task. It isn't, and in terms of the the people that are currently out of work that that fit the mould of what you think he'd be going for, it's you know I've said this before. It is a really difficult thing to Google trying to find managers that are not like the absolute top level that would that couldn't possibly like. It's easy to find out of work managers that have managed European teams because that that's that's easily available. It's very difficult to find. Tangible candidates, based upon the fact that we're now going to be paying Smith and Wagner and the new coach all at the same time, because I don't think we finished. You know, we, we, we've got all of these contracts to pay up, um, and you know, I don't know what you know. Obviously, the the, the specifics are going to be around Wagner's contract, but um, he, he's going to he, he's going to be due a payoff, and and so therefore, are we going to be going even more into the bargain basement in terms of you know? buying someone are we going to be able to coax anyone from another club um maybe not because we we know we haven't got any money the account's particularly grim from a reading point of view um Fion I'm not expecting you to to come up with a name but you know have you got any particular flavor of coach i.e young and progressive from abroad unknown and I heard some talk on I heard some talk on Sunday from around where I was of the need for a disciplined old school manager, um, which so so obviously fans are having opinions around the type of person they want, even if they don't necessarily know who we could get. Yeah, I think probably we need to look at the season and think. Are we saying we want to get a manager in to somehow get us in the playoffs, say? if if Or uh, are we getting a manager to save us from a relegation battle? I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, or are we are we looking beyond this season? Are we saying, you know, this season we maybe we're, we're going to be mid-table, um, but we it's a longer-term project. Uh, it needs more of a rebuild so we can look beyond this season. Um, so I think that's probably the first decision that has to be made by Napa and the club and probably the fans uh, as to what our expectations are. Um, in terms of the type of manager, uh, I, 
based on our last two appointments of Smith and Wagner, um, I think it's probably fair to say that they were both managers kind of on their way down, you know, like Wagner was out of a job and Smith had just been sacked by Villa. Um, and it, it would be nice to have a manager who's on their way up. Um, and I'm looking at some of the other championship clubs who have uh, sort of recently appointed new managers. Um, Bristol City have just appointed Liam Manning from Oxford. Um, you know, that's a, a, an, an interesting, exciting young manager appointment. QPR uh, have just appointed um, the guy from Hammerby. Um, you know, again, it's, it's he's, he's relatively young. It's an interesting one. Uh, so yeah, it's it's that kind of that kind of angle is what I'd be going for, with an eye to this maybe being a longer term rebuild project and something that we can believe in and get behind, like we were saying earlier. Really, I mean, the the, the concern of of it being a so so I think that's a really good good point, Fionn. Um, so I'll throw it straight to McGee. Is this a short term just keep us up make it stop stop conceding goals and keep us in the league situation bearing in mind we're only in early november but you know is it that already or is it actually we risk building for the future with a young impressive person who's who might even take us down and then bring us up again with a bit of momentum with the accounts would suggest we can't afford that to happen you know what what you know what say you? Where, whereabouts are you with us? Do we just write off this season as mid-table's the best we can do? It's only November. Yeah, but we've been playing incredibly badly and we're in 17th um, with a squad that doesn't exactly shout redemption story. Um, but the good news is old school manager who specialises in keeping teams up, who's currently available, Neil Warnock, mm. absolutely nailed on. He's, 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 he's there and waiting. Paul Lambert's also looking for a job. There's a redemption story that would be uh, one for the ages. It would be I, hilarious I, uh, <laughs> to see Paul Lambert back at Carrow. It would be so funny. <laughs> Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert would be the the peak banter, oh, banter mate, appointment. I'd and love I, it. honestly, just in time for the derby. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily want that, but I also don't not want it. Uh, it would. Uh, it would at least make this season memorable. Um, but there's also like some talk of. Uh, Jack Wilshire, which I mean, I'm not a I'm not an up and coming manager expert in the way that others are, but I thought that was um, a fascinating shout. But I, I'm always of the view that I, I if if I've heard of the person we've appointed, I get very nervous. Mm-hmm. I, I want us to um, be looking at someone who can uh, uh, come in to be a cog in a in a machine that Napa is going to build that is part of a project. And uh, won't necessarily have their own imprint they want to uh, put on the club, but is uh, has the skills to fit into that overall architecture. So if I've heard of them, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, ACN hipster cliche, that if we've heard of them, they're bad. But that's kind of how I feel. Well, I mean, that's that will kind of be the case with, you know, you, you mentioned the recent championship appointments, Fionn. I, I, I'd be surprised if there were too many you know, Bristol City podcasts talking about, oh, this Oxford chap is, is the one for us. And, and you know, same with QPR. You know, it's there is an element of that that we, we've, we've just zigged twice, so now it's time to zag, like even just from that point of view. But it, there's also the, the dynamic you've got to think about on, on that point. If, we, if you were to appoint someone like uh, Warnock, try and say it with a straight face, um, y- you know, you've... 
you've then got to, you're appointing them at the point where you're saying, and here's this guy, Napper, that's never done the job before. And oh, by the way, he'll be your boss. So like a more old school sort of figure might be a bit uncomfortable with having his short term kind of pension topping up scheme based around, you know, this young whippersnapper who's never had the keys to the car before. Um, so it, 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 to me, it is far more logical that we go to league one or league two, or we go to, um, we go, we go abroad, um, and, and someone sees the opportunity to be a couple of seasons away from the premier league with relatively more money than they used to, even though it's not as much money as, as other English clubs could offer them. It's all going to come down to timing though, surely punt. I mean, you know, we've just missed out on two that might've been on our long list as, as Fionn said, it's just down to who is who fit, who sees us as a, a the right next career step. Norwich do have a history of talking people into that, though. We haven't got anyone to show. Like Napa will need you know instructions on how to to give a tour of the veg garden. <laughs> I mean, on the ridiculousness scale, I can probably see McGee's Neil Warner can raise him a Frank Lampard because I, mean, <laughs> I know I know that's a team talk, like probably a nonsense story. But, I mean, of all the Tories that we could appoint, I think I'd probably rather Liz Trust than Frank Lampard. I mean, it would just be Has she put her name in a frame, Liz? Well, she's an Norwich fan, apparently. She's yeah. been seen with a scarf on, so, yeah. you know, it must be, must be. So um, are you, allegedly. Um, I'm very much of a, let's go down a project route. Let's, let's Project get, Warnock. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, of every, of every Norwich manager that has ever been successful you know you've never heard of them apart from Paul Lambert surely you know and mm. we've only heard of Paul Lambert because apparently he won the Champions League and you know he likes to mention it you know that and that you know and he played really well for Celtic um you know it is always someone that is out of the blue that that actually is a bit left field and fits maybe Norwich Alex uh, Neil yeah Alex Neil came out of nowhere didn't it but actually yeah. that was absolute you know kind of it was a shrewd move from a shrewd guy in David McNally who had had this guy on his radar for some time from what he was saying at the time when he appointed Alex Neal. You would hope that Ben Napper has those same networks, has the the same eye on, on head coaches. And it isn't just, it, actually, it feels like it would be really lazy if it was someone like Jack Wilshire. It would just be like, oh, well, I'll just go back to what I know. Um, so that would worry me actually more as much as he might be, you know, a young up and coming coach, it, it would almost just feel like, well, are we, are we going to be Jack Wilshire's Norwich City? And is this just going to be Arsenal light rather than Ben Napper's Norwich City? And, and we get a coach in who, who can fit as, you know, Matthew said, the architecture really of the quite like the, the sound of Arsenal club. light, if I'm honest. Well, <laughs> <It> sounds all right. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, look, Norwich are, I feel like Norwich are a unique community-based football club that does so many good things and we need a human that that fits our football club and I think Ben Napper has to come in and he has to grasp that quite quickly but he also has to grasp that the same old sorry you know kind of I don't know if you're going to go back 10 years it would be someone like Alan Kirbishley like those types are not going to fit here and there is no point appointing that kind of type. I don't think that that will even be in his mind to to go back to the tried and tested model. I, th- I feel like 
there would be no point having a sporting director if that was the case. There is, there's an element though, isn't there? So this is, it's a really interesting kind of huge, no, if Edie was here as long as, as well as saying some bonkers things that would be the title of the podcast, she, she would probably talk to kind of the human element of, from a psychology point of view, this is Napa's big break, right? Like th- this is what, you know, in terms of Napa's career, he is taking a huge step up. This is the most seniority he's going to have. Okay. He's taking step down, obviously the football period to do it, which is relatively normal. Um, so there's an element of risk in going in having a double unknown. So one of the things I wanted to bring up Fionn, and I don't know whether or not you've seen any of this. Um, I've started to look a bit more at, um, the brewers coverage, um, and, and kind of the Atanasio reception forward slash vitriol that, that he is currently getting, um, he is really unpopular with, with, with the Brewers fans um, and seems to be getting a rough ride of it and is constantly derided for not investing in the squad, um, not constantly that they, they bring up things and make kind of slide comments about how there's, you know, there's something like a hundred million less in kind of salary um, than, than other so-called contenders. Do we feel like, what's, what's your take on this whole, um, Atanasio needing a like a three year probation period via the, the people who who you know I love with all my heart, but have overseen a club that is seventy seven million pounds in debt. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it just feels like in the same way that the uh, that obviously now it's not happening, but that there was the slated handover for the sporting director job. Um, it just feels. It feels like we're sort of uh, being being very very cautious, very softly, softly. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who who pushed for that really. Um, I don't know if that if that was on our side or their side. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it's if it's just kicking the can down the road really. Um, I've not I've not followed really what's happening with the uh, with the Brewers. Um, yeah, Matthew might know more about that than me. I've I've been to see the Brewers play at their stadium. They have a big slide, like a literal slide that their mascot goes down when they uh, hit a home run. And um, I don't know much about Atanasio's wealth, but if he brings that to Carroll Road, then um, I'm all behind him. But you know, the Brewers are a small market team. Milwaukee is really is a really small city compared to uh, the New Yorks and uh, um, LA and uh, Atlanta and and so on. They have to um, uh, outperform their their size. They have to get every single trade right. They have to use the kind of money ball approach, and uh, that sounds familiar, right? I mean, we, we don't we're not going to be uh, a, a massive uh, uh, team from a from a self funding point of view, with the stadium the size it is and the catchment area the size it is, and like this is the thing that kind of people say. Well, Delia's not getting it done. I, I don't. I haven't heard anyone say what the alternative is, other than wouldn't it be great if somebody won the lottery? That's not. That's not a plan. Uh, you know what? What people want is for Mark Atanasio to walk in the door and say, "I've made six hundred million quid in my life." Here's two hundred of it. It's just not. That's not real life. Um, unless also we want, only do about two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> unless we want. Unless we want to be taken over by uh, the kind of people in football who who, who do have 
hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds to burn. And I don't think that we are the kind of club that would ever want that. Do we want to be, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia's B team in the UK? I don't think we do. So like this, this, this sense of like self-funding doesn't work. It's like, okay, well, what's the alternative? Show us what that is. It's not Mark Atanasio. He doesn't have the funds for it. And what the Brewers shows us is that, you know, he's the kind of person with a, a decent amount of money who could keep us stable, but he's not going to, you know, write a blank check and take us to the promised land. Yeah, I think, the, yeah, my concern about it, they're, they're different sports and they're, they've got very different financial setups in terms of regulations and attempts at parity. Um, which does make it easier in most American sports for the smaller market teams to compete if they're well enough run and if they if their gambles to your point about trades come off right. The 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 challenge I the, the challenge I've got to the the, the dealer out brigade is is you know, to your point suggest something better. There is there is the the thinking that over the next five to ten years, his consortium, his hedge fund lads, um, having half of the club. And then bringing in other investment people to kind of chip in and, and and kind of farm off shares that way to try and bring in money regularly. That might be a business model that could work if the if there is success on the pitch and there is Premier League money regularly coming in. But you know that that's all kind of medium medium term stuff. You feel like he would definitely and his people would definitely have an input into this this kind of hedge coach element you know he's now got a very very firm seat at the board in terms of decision making so punt what what do you reckon is the what do you reckon we should be setting our sights on what do you think we should be setting our expectations as in terms of how how this season could go bearing in mind we have got january around the window so Jack Wilshere might be able to, and Ben Napper might be able to borrow a couple of Arsenal lads. Although the last one we, we loaned was yeah. fucking shit. Yeah, Ben Napper was probably key in that Marquinhos loan. So, yeah, yeah that went well. Um, this, I think for this season, for me, it is about stabilising. It's about ensuring that we're not going to get embroiled in a relegation battle. But it's also about trying to put some foundations in place that will allow us to use that as a springboard so that we can kick on next season. I think I'm not saying like, right, 23, 24 off because with a fair wind and a crowd that believes and players that are galvanized, nothing is beyond any team in this league in terms of going on a, on a, on a decent run and the Coventry's or the Lutons of last season will, you know, is testament to that fact that if you build momentum, you you can get somewhere. I have no expectation that's going to happen. So I think that we need to take a a considered look at where we want to be and how we want to shape this football club moving forward. Because the last, I don't know, three seasons can only be considered in the cold light of day now that the accounts are available as an abject failure, like an absolute abject failure. We've, I mean, the last season that we were in the Premier League, you look at those set of accounts and, you know, it's people that are way more learned than me, but are identifying the fact that we had an average wage of £52,000 a week per player, and which is higher than Brentford, Brighton, probably some other clubs in the Premier League. Did we get any value for money out of that? Absolutely not. So to talk about putting you know, kind of the footings in place for a sustainable sustainable football club is about ensuring that money is spent well. And this season's recruitment 
again is probably you know kind of speaks to the fact that we we have not been doing that shane duffy's been given a three-year contract on an exorbitant amount of money this is by the man Stuart weber who used the catchphrase which he'll probably use on some kind of high performance podcast at some point in the near future um you know you need to focus on the root not the fruit i mean Shane Duffy is so overly ripe at this point that it is ridiculous. Like genuinely, like he's he's lost it. And the same can probably be said of of for sure. The same might be said of Barnes. You know, if he doesn't hit the ground running when he comes back, but we've completely abandoned the principles which got us in such a well, which had us in such rude health and had us lauded as as one of the model football clubs up and down the you know the league. We're nowhere near that now. And that's where I want to see us pivot towards is being a properly run football club again. Okay. Well, one thing I'd say on that is we wanted some experience and we wanted to some someone, some people to come in and it's it's tricky it's tricky to 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 blast Weber for that when uh, I mean, yeah, three years might be a bit rich for for Duffy, but we don't know. There might have been another team in 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 for him, and we had it was the one he went to the one that offered him the the longest kind of final pension top up. But but just bid him then. Just been if if that's what he's here for, a final pension top up, then you're not the guy he, for me, mate. Yeah, I know. Move but on. The, I know. Get right. Danny Bart in and actually play him. You know, well, like yeah, whatever. But, but this is the thing. This is the thing. There's no. Um, there's no guarantee on on how well his form would would hold up. And early in the season, he he did look like he could be competent at, at Champions League level. At Champions League level, <laughs> he, he certainly didn't look like he could be at Champions League level, Championship level. And um, and I I do think that we have to again get this whole kind of we zig for a bit and then we zag for a bit. Like we, you know, Phil made the point about you know it seems like a bit softly, softly. It feels like we we make we make footballing decisions sometimes as a football club that are not the way that a true business minded person would would make the decision, like this bonkers handover period, and 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 like the like the not getting someone to start for ages, um, and I feel like we we also suffer from knee jerk reactionism. You know, we effectively say, well, we've we've tried it this way. Now let's get some kind of journeyman old people in because everyone's complaining that we've got brittle confidence and we don't. So I always feel like we 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 went too far in that direction rather than maybe buying one person who is maybe a slightly higher caliber, but but, but you know is slightly younger. But you know, it's all conjectures. So wrap, wrapping up, Fion, uh can I have a prediction <laughs> for Cardiff? <laughs> uh, we are going to lose. Uh... Cardiff have a very good home record. We are very bad. Uh, we are going to lose 2-0. Okay. McGee? I predict I'm going to have a really great time going to Cardiff on Saturday. I'm glad to have picked that out as my match pick early in the season. I've never been to Cardiff before, um, so I'm delighted with my timing on that. I think that we're going to nick a 1-1 draw, scoring in the sort of 85th minute to give a bit of a boost and a bit of momentum. And um, it will make Napa's job a lot harder to um, uh, make the decision on Monday. So you, um, uh, who's going to be your guaranteed scorer then for that that equaliser? Sarah. Okay. John Punt, guaranteed scoreline, please. Yeah, I think we're going to lose. And we, I think we might get a hiding. I just think the confidence is so fragile now. Um, I'm going to say 4-1 Cardiff um, with 
a Shane. Uh, and I tell you what, here we go. Um, Shane Duffy. I know he can't play, can he? He's out. I was going to say he'll score at both ends, but he won't do that. Um, He's done it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He has done it already. Um, I don't know who'll score for us. We'll just lose badly. Okay. Well, I think we will uh, win uh, 3-1 um, because of some kind of very, very odd penalty luck, some other kind of very, very odd you know, disallowed goal that's not fair on Cardiff's part. Um, and that will make, um, to your point, Napa's job very uncomfortable come Monday. But I still think it will be the first thing on the agenda. And, you know, to your point, John, if it was a pet, maybe they've just had a really energetic walk. But you're like, no, 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 the vet, the vet has said that this is the way it needs to go. Um, look, we are where we are. It's a very, very roller coaster ride supporting this football club. And, it just seems that every year we think we might have a bit of a boring, kind of stable season. Uh, I think probably Farker's first season was probably the first, last time we had a, a kind of non-eventful season, really. I mean, even then we were buying into a new style of football and stuff, so it felt like things did move on. But, but since then, every season's either been spectacular, horrendous, or full of woe and turbulation. Still, new coach soon. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Wagner, and bye. Mind how you go.